Welcome back, fellow football fanatics. It's your host, College Football with Sam, and Ohio State has two games, including this weekend's matchup against Youngstown State, to get things right on the offensive side of the ball before they travel to Notre Dame in Week 4. The Fighting Irish are currently ranked in the top 10, and according to ESPN's FPI, they are a team on the rise. That will be a night game on the road at Notre Dame. Notre Dame, they've faced some of the worst teams in the FBS in my mind. Today I would pick Ohio State to beat them by double digits, but that's just today. They actually have a test this week on the road at NC State, and Ohio State, while they don't have that same test, they have to treat these next few games like, in a certain way, a playground, where you got to get things right on the playground before you go into a hornet's nest and into a jungle on the road against a team that is much better than Indiana and Youngstown State and Western Kentucky, and against a team that is better coached with Marcus Freeman as their head coach and Al Golden and former Ohio State staff member Al Washington coaching on defense. These next two weeks against Youngstown State and against Western Kentucky very limited opponents. These are very important moments in my mind for Ohio State to rectify what was an ugly performance on offense against Indiana. Now, if you've been a part of this channel for a while, really since its inception and since it became a consistent college football channel, you know that I have high respect for Ohio State and for Ryan Day and for what the Buckeyes are doing. So when I talk anything that is critical of Ohio State or critical of Michigan or any team, it's just what I think the truth is or what I think the facts are. And I say that because there are some who are overreacting to Ohio State. There are some who are saying everything will be just fine. I sort of find myself in the middle ground on the issue of Ohio State's offense. I don't think the offense is dead. I don't think we need to be sounding the alarm yet as college football fans or if you're an Ohio State fan. However, there are some reasons for concern when you have Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Igbuka and you can't get them the football and Cade Stover is your leading receiver. That is some cause for concern. But against Youngstown State, this is an opponent that is much worse than Indiana, though the Penguins might have a better offense than Indiana does, given how just disgusting Indiana offenses have been. But before we continue this video, please subscribe to this channel if you haven't already, and if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or any other source, this is one of the few times I mention those other sources, make sure to follow the channel as well. Also, hit the notification bell so you can get notified when I post new college football content. Ohio State football, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, Nebraska, mainly Big Ten, but also college football content as well. Like this video so we can attract more Buckeye fans and Big Ten and college football fans to the channel. And comment your thoughts on Ohio State, maybe what your concern level is, or if you don't have any concerns, that's valid as well. I actually think that it's probably more logical to have less concerns than more concerns. It is just week one 
Um, every top 10 team except for Alabama and Washington, uh, the latter in the Huskies just beheaded their opponent, struggled. And I think that with a few games, we just got to see what Ohio State does, especially in this one. And Notre Dame is the point where after that game, I think the program can be assessed very accurately. For a team like Michigan, for example, that comes much later in the season, potentially. And for Michigan State, that'll be after week three when they face Washington. Depending on the schedule of a team, that's when you can really start to know who and what the team truly is. And for Ohio State, I think that from what I can tell right now, they have a great to near elite to elite defense. Their offense has a lot of question marks, but I'd say it's in the range from above average with elite with elite potential. I would say the ceiling for this offense is probably limitless just with the amount of talent on paper and in theory. And I would say the floor for this offense is probably an above average to good offense. The game against Indiana, the Hoosiers have a stout defense, and Ohio State does have a lot new, of new pieces on the offensive line. Their quarterbacks have been inexperienced. Kyle McCord has not played on the road as a starter. He started against Akron in 2021 against an opponent that's much worse than Indiana is, even by the standards of Indiana not being a good football team. And I think that, again, some people are overreacting. But all in all, against an opponent like Youngstown State, you still you have to maximize your opportunity. You have to make the right plays. You have to prepare. You have to have that mentality of every game, every Saturday. You have to prepare. And you have to do your best. Give it your all. Ohio State's given a 99% chance to win, according to ESPN's FPI. I saw somewhere that the line opened up at 42 points, but... Per ESPN, the line is currently unavailable, and it could certainly move. Not every sportsbook has a line for this game. Both teams are 1-0. Youngstown State is 1-0 in the FCS. There is no FPI rank for them. Ohio State fell to number two in the FPI after their performance against Indiana, and Alabama rose to number one after their performance against Middle Tennessee State University. The game will be played in the Horseshoe Ohio Stadium, and Ohio State struggled on offense, but they beat Indiana with elite defense. That's something that I think if you're going to take away that Ohio State's offense sucks, and from the Indiana game, if you're going to have that takeaway, you have to balance that out with but the defense for the amount of time they were on the field, for the opportunities that the offense gave Indiana, the defense shined. Players like Sonny Styles showed out, and the secondary looked good. Josh Proctor even made a few plays. Linebacker looked great. And on the defensive line, Indiana, of course, ran the football more, and pass rush wasn't, I would say, the best of the best. But the defense overall, whether it's the ends, the tackles, the linebackers, the safeties, the corners, any position, looked good. And that could be because of Indiana's offense, of course in the same way that Ohio State's offensive struggles could be kickoff jitters. 
or we all know that Indiana has Noah Pierre and Andre Carter on defense. They they have players on that side of the ball. Indiana's problem has rarely been defensively, but offensively is where the Hoosiers have struggled for years under Allen, minus the time when Kalen DeBoer was there and when Michael Penix was healthy. That's the exception to the rule for Indiana when it comes to Tom Allen being their head coach. If it's Kevin Wilson coaching Indiana, it's a, a different story. But this matchup, home game, FCS opponent, like any of you could have guessed from just reading Youngstown State traveling at Ohio State, this is a game where the line is unavailable because Ohio State is just expected to win, and they're expected to blow this team out. There's not much intrigue with this matchup. The more interesting part of a game like this, or the only interesting part of a game like this, is how the backups look for Ohio State. Do they try new things, or do they run a very vanilla playbook to not give too much away to Notre Dame? How do the how does the special teams look? Does the offense dominate, or does it struggle even against an opponent like this? So on, so forth. And I think in this game, a wise thing to do even if the offense is sluggish because of it. But let Brian Hartline call plays. Let him call most of the plays. Same against Western Kentucky. Like, Don't fear Ryan Day. Relax control of the offense. We know that you're a good coordinator. Like Ryan Day is a great play caller. Now, of course, he wants to move away from being a play caller because he wants to be more of a CEO and manage Ohio State football as a whole, not just manage the offense, and I think that's very wise. Decision fatigue is a real thing, and especially in the biggest games, you saw that hit Ryan Day the hardest, which isn't good. But against these smaller teams where you know that your defense can carry you, you know that if you called run up the middle with an occasional play to keep the Youngstown State defense honest, you probably could win 50 to nothing or 40 to nothing. Let Brian Hartline call the plays. Let him experiment. Let him learn. It's better to learn against these small opponents than to throw them to the wolves when you're on the road at Wisconsin or home against Penn State after maybe Drew Aller pops off and gets two long touchdown passes because he looked good against West Virginia or on the road against Michigan or on the road against Notre Dame. Let him learn right now. That's something that I have an opinion on if Ryan Day is going to give up the play-calling duties, practice it now against the smaller opponents. And if Brian Hartline shows himself to be a quick learner, an adaptable coordinator, and someone who the offense trusts, then you can give him more leeway and let him have input on decision-making in some of these bigger games. The matchup's very favorable to Ohio State, of course, they have the better staff, better quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, offensive line, defensive line, linebacker, defensive back, and special teams. That's something that might be unfortunate to a certain degree in these earlier games for every college football season is you have these blowout matchups. like th th These games where you're only watching the team to learn more, which I very much enjoy. Not every college football fan does, though. Youngstown State is coming off of a 52-10 win over the Valparaiso Beacons. 
they were favored by 42 points to 36 points to win and they covered winning 52 to 10 Youngstown State had 472 total yards of offense, 21 first downs. They dominated time of possession. They blew up in the third quarter where they scored 28 points. Their leading rusher is Tyshone King at running back, who had 111 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns and averaged 10 yards per carry. Deshaun Watley has 59 rushing yards as a running back, one rushing touchdown on five carries, averaged nearly 12 yards per carry. Their running back room is impressive from the looks of it. And at quarterback, their starter, Mitch Davidson, 11 completions, 19 attempts, 130 yards, and a touchdown with a, with a passer rating of 132.7. I nearly said QBR, but ESPN doesn't do quarterback efficiency rankings for FCS teams, which despite the fact that I don't watch the FCS, or I rarely do, it is a shame that they don't provide those efficiency metrics for the FCS. I think it'd be cool for that level to have its own, you know, power index and rankings because like North Dakota State, South Dakota State, or Jackson State when Deion Sanders was coaching there, I mean, there are some teams that have success and sizable fan bases and attention to them. So, and it helps also to preview some of these games, even though for the most part the FBS will dominate, they'll own the FCS school and they'll give them a paycheck, there are moments like Appalachian State against Michigan or Montana State beating Washington in 2021 where the FCS does come out on top. It's rare, but it happens. It Indeed it does. That's the beauty of the sport. And we've already had plenty of upsets occur in this 2023 season. I enjoy talking about Ohio State because their staff, their offense, their defense, their special teams even, is littered with talent everywhere. They're the most talented team on paper by recruiting rankings in the entire Big Ten and the third most talented roster nationally, only behind Alabama and Georgia. And they recruit at a high level. They might have the number one recruiting class this season. And when you have all-American players like Tommy Eichenberg at linebacker, Michael Hall at defensive tackle, who looked good and was healthy against Indiana, when Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams and Chip Trainum in that running back room is one of the deepest in the nation. And at wide receiver, Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Egbuka, who were 1,000-yard receivers in 2022, and Cade Stover is already on pace at tight end to probably win more accolades and awards than he did last season or be nominated for more at least and also get more receiving touchdowns, more receiving yards, and probably more targets from Kyle McCord or Devin Brown. Though I'm pretty sure, based off of the Indiana game, Kyle McCord will you know, finish out this competition and win it. However, speaking of quarterback, it is of utmost importance that chemistry is formulated with the wide receiver room and also with the talent this week and next week. Because against Notre Dame, if there isn't chemistry, or against Penn State or Wisconsin or Michigan, heck, even Minnesota, who was a... Minnesota has a ridiculously good defense. The, the problem with Minnesota is they're not known to stop the run because they don't have star defensive line players and their best linebacker 
was out as well. And Nebraska also has an underrated running back room, but their secondary is phenomenal. They know how to attack you with the line of scrimmage as well, and Joe Rossi is one of the best defensive coordinators in the nation. Day wants to get Brown more snaps, but it sounds like he's staying with Kyle McCord as the starting quarterback in Week 2, which is what I expected, of course. I think that the Buckeyes will... I don't know if they'll pass more, run more. I'm hoping they pass more than they did against Indiana, for sure. I felt like Ohio State, for their identity, was running the ball... A little too much, although it was understandable because of Kyle McCord's mistakes and also just Ohio State had a rough game against Indiana, if you really think about it. It, In my opinion, it was a little bit extreme. Same with the reaction to the game, of course. So I think that the offense and the team as a whole is due for a bounce back over these next few weeks, especially since kickoff jitters, it's a thing. And I think that they've overcome that now. Some players to watch for Youngstown State, Tyshawn King, their leading running back who averaged 10 yards per carry. Ohio State has struggled against the run several times. I don't even need to go further than that sentence. And Youngstown State averaged against Valparcio. It's a strange name. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing it. I know that I am for sure. Youngstown State averaged 7.4 yards per carry and had four rushing touchdowns. Now, obviously, the Buckeyes have a better defense than the Beacons, but Mercer, they ripped off a 75-yard touchdown run against Ole Miss. Maybe Youngstown State can do something like that where they catch the Buckeyes off guard for a play or two or three and are able to get big gains on the ground. I don't expect Youngstown State to do much in the air against the Buckeyes. The passing offense is certainly not a strength for the Penguins. And Ohio State, their secondary with Stiles and Burke and Proctor, that's a lethal secondary. Also with Jordan Hancock, Cameron Martinez, many others as well, Davis and Igbenosan. It's a lethal and deep secondary. Ohio State last year, their defensive backs struggled tremendously, as we all know. But this season, I think there is a legitimate chance that they're too deep. Like, if all of their starters were out for whatever reason, they're too deep could be one of the better secondaries in the country. It's very deep, they're well-coached, and Jim Knowles' defense being in year two, despite Indiana being obviously a limited opponent, where Ohio State was never going to lose to the Hoosiers, you saw that defensive improvement against Indiana. The mistakes that Ohio State was making... Tom Allen is a total players coach, and this being a big game, the first big game that Indiana played in before they're, you know, they inevitably wear out and die, he's going to have them motivated. And this is probably the best game that Indiana was going to play all season long. And Ohio State faced off against it, and they shut up, they nearly shut out Indiana. They only allowed three points, a field goal in the second quarter, and they allowed 153 total yards and eight first downs. And they made Indian, they limited Indiana's passing attack. They made their quarterbacks look, you know, even worse than Indiana's passing game last season. I was impressed with the defense, but I think that Tyshawn King might be a bigger test for Ohio State's rush defense than Indiana was last week. For Ohio State, Marvin Harrison Jr. had a very quiet game, an incredibly quiet game. 
against Indiana. He only had 18 receiving yards on two receptions. And the Big Ten contacted Ryan Day. I read this on a post earlier today and said that he was pushed out of bounds, should have got a touchdown. That doesn't matter. Every game that any team plays in, there is a chance that incorrect penalties are called for you or against you. Um, it, it, it just happens. An example from my personal point of view is J.J. McCarthy against ECU. In my mind, the call on the field probably should have leaned that he was past the line of scrimmage and the touchdown was called back. That's an example that I can pull right from my mind. In the Michigan State game in 2021 against Michigan, I thought Peyton Thorne lost possession of the football when Aiden Hutchinson sacked him, and Michigan should have had a touchdown to end the second half against the Spartans instead of a field goal. However, despite that call, which I think was obviously against Michigan, and the call against East Carolina that went in favor of J.J. McCarthy just last week, that doesn't matter. It's still a valid loss for Michigan in 2022 and a win for them in 2023, and also a valid loss for East Carolina in 2023. You play through adversity, and Marvin Harrison Jr. being a great player knows that. Not everything's going to go your way, and not everything is going to go against you. There will be a balance. Harrison had a bad game against Indiana, plus there were some questionable calls that didn't go his way. He is the nation's best wide receiver. He's not going to get an average of 18 receiving yards per game unless he's injured or Kyle McCord and the offense are truly that bad none of which I think are going to happen or currently are the case. So I would expect him over these next few games against limited opponents to be extra motivated due to the Indiana game, and I wouldn't be surprised if he had well over 100 yards in both games and had multiple long, big plays and touchdowns. I mean, he is so good. He's such an elite player. I think he's the best wide receiver that... Ohio State has had under Ryan Day, and that's comparing him to guys like Jackson Smith and Jigba, Garrett Wilson, who are absolute freak athletes who are going to do well in the NFL, and Wilson and Alave are already doing well in the NFL. So watch out for Marvin Harrison Jr. Emeka Egbuka is another player to look out for, as well as Julian Fleming. Fleming led Ohio State in receptions against Indiana. He had 58 receiving yards. He averaged 9.7 yards per reception on six receptions. Stover, maybe he is still the leader in receiving yards for this offense. He had five receptions for 98 yards. He had a nice seam route against Indiana. I think that the receiving game and passing game for Ohio State is going to explode just because Youngstown State and Western Kentucky do not have the secondary that Indiana does that can even hope to slow down a passing offense like this. My prediction for this game is Ohio State 59, Youngstown State 0. Youngstown State is rated as a top 25 FCS team right now. They can still have a great season, but they're helpless against the Buckeyes. There's no way that they win this game, or next to no way. You don't want to overlook an opponent, but it's similar to even Michigan State facing off against Richmond, for example, or Penn State facing off against Delaware. Most of the time, 99% of the time, these schools are playing these games to get paid and also in exchange get blown out and pad the stats of the opposing FB FBS team. And that's what I think will happen. 
Ohio State's offense will be elite. It will look elite against an inferior opponent. Now, contrasting what I expect this performance to be in comparison to the Indiana game means that we don't know and we won't know how good Ohio State's offense is, especially in the realm of the passing game, until the Notre Dame game, which will be tough. It will cause a lot of confusion, speculation. It'll also be intriguing because I expect the predictions for Notre Dame against Ohio State to be varying. There will be people who have Ohio State blowing out Notre Dame. There will be people that have that matchup as a close game or even a pick'em, perhaps. And there will be people that think Notre Dame dominates because of their run game looking better and Sam Hartman being a much more efficient quarterback than Drew Pine or Tyler Buckner or perhaps even Jack Cohn, though I don't think he's played good enough competition for me to say that he's going to be better than Jack Cohn. But we'll see this week when he faces off against NC State. Sam Hartman's numbers against great defenses are horrible, so if he has a great game against NC State, that could be one, two, or three things. Could be that NC State is a bad defense, Sam Hartman's changed, or it's in the middle of the two. Likely the last option, as the middle ground's typically the good option to pick. The defense, I think, will force two turnovers, have multiple sacks, tackles for loss, and they will pitch a shutout. Originally, my score prediction for this game was much higher. It was in the 60s and 70s in the preseason, actually high 70s. It was 77 to nothing. But I do think that with the struggles against Indiana and also the fact that I underestimated how much plays and consequentially a small amount of points would be taken away by the new clock rules, so I adjusted that into my prediction. 59-0, Ohio State wins. They are 2-0, and they'll face Western Kentucky in Week 3, and more likely than not, they will be 3-0 entering the game against Notre Dame. Notre Dame, they play Central Michigan after NC State, uh, quick teaser for my quick picks video tomorrow. I do expect Notre Dame to beat NC State. So that will be an undefeated matchup in South Bend. And I talked about the, that game a lot in this preview because this is the biggest talent disparity and matchup disparity potentially of the week. Michigan isn't playing an FCS opponent. They're all FBS opponents, still weaker FBS opponents, but in the same division nonetheless. So I can't say that. Michigan State is not nearly as good as Ohio State is. Ohio State's a top three talent roster. They're playing an FCS team. It's like Georgia playing University Tennessee Martin. Like, that's even more of a guaranteed win than a guaranteed win. So, big win for the Buckeyes. Lots of points will be scored. I expect Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Egbuka to have close to or more than 100 receiving yards. Any other prediction outside of the defense pitch, pitching a shutout and being statistically very impressive, it depends because Ryan Day might adapt and give Brian Hartline the wheel. He may not, or we don't know. They may try new things, or the game plan may be very vanilla because with Indiana being over, you know that Notre Dame is the next obvious focus because the staff is smart enough to know that these next two opponents are very, very limited. So that's all I have to say in this quick preview video. Thank you to my patrons and also all of my subscribers. We hit 11,000 recently. 
in the past few days, and I couldn't have done it without you guys engaging with me in the comments section, subscribing to the channel, liking videos, and also, to those of you who joined my Patreon, I just want to say a special thanks, especially to Spencer Bringhurst, my All-American Patron, especially to Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, and Matthew Sale, my All-Conference Patrons. If you want to support the channel, please do so through the link in the description for my Patreon. You get weekly picks depending on your tier, and also, if you choose the Heisman tier, you get to ask me personal questions, you get to offer video suggestions, which I will try my best to follow, so on and so forth, and I'm going to try and optimize what I do on my Patreon over the coming weeks, because I want to produce as much content as possible. College football is my obsession all year round, but especially in fall. Like when Josh Pate says that he doesn't like Saturday weddings, that, that's something where I just want to give him a fist bump or a high five because when, when it's Saturday and it's college football, that's what I'm dedicated to is noon to past midnight. It's all college football. And I can't even wait for Illinois against Kansas tomorrow. That'll be an exciting game to follow as well. So thank you guys so much for watching. I've said that so many times, but it really is true. You guys and your support means a lot. Comment your thoughts on this matchup down below and on Ohio State season as well and how you think it will turn out as they have one of the Big Ten's tougher schedules. Have a great day, guys.